Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy March and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our March Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The theme for March is Celebrating Women's History Month, a conversation about life, love, and laughter. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situations with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our kitchen table conversation today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be talking about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Advice That Changed My Life, 101 Stories of Epiphanies and Wise Woods. Good morning, Amy. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on to talk about this really fun book, which I have to admit, even after having read, you know, 100,000 or so Chicken Soup and Soul <laughs> stories over the years, I still learned some really good stuff in this book. And I've I've been implementing some of the advice that I got from this book already in my life. So it just shows. You can oh. always learn new things that are very helpful. Yeah. So true. That's really, really true. Well, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the advice that changed my life, 101 Stories of Epiphany and Wise Woods, is an excellent and empowering read. The story is extremely inspiring, and the collection is just what we need to jumpstart our spring season. Congratulations on its release, which was Tuesday last week. Yep, and it's gradually making its way into the stores. You know, they don't always mm-hmm. they don't always stock them perfectly. You know, on the actual uh, launch date, but yeah. now, like we're we're getting pictures of of our of the book on the shelves at Walmart. Uh, so it's gradually <laughs> filtering into the retail system, and it's at Walmart, and of course, it's at Barnes and Noble, and it's on mm-hmm. Amazon, and. Mm-hmm. Got some other big box stores, mm-hmm. um, not Target. It's not at Target, so don't look for mm-hmm. it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Walmart's probably going to sell the most copies for us. Fantastic! That sounds really good. Why did Chicken Soup decide to publish a book about advice? So we get so many stories that have great advice in them, mm-hmm. and and often they're just something where they tweak your perspective on something, and in you know, five seconds, you all of a sudden have this new perspective that's really helpful. And mm-hmm. so we had done a book um, probably four or five years ago. We did a book called The Best Advice I Ever Heard. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. We really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Yeah, we really enjoyed making that book too because we all learned a lot from it ourselves. And and the book was very popular. It was a big bestseller for us. And I just thought, let's do it again. Because how cool is it? Like if you just went around and asked everybody you know, give me the most life-changing piece of advice you ever got. Yeah. yeah. 
And then you had a collection of this amazing wisdom, you know, these wise words that could change your life, tweak your perspective in a really productive way. So that's basically what we did with this book. We went and we asked the public, give us a story about advice that changed your life. Mm -hmm. And we got uh, many thousands of submissions. And then we picked (laughs) the 101 for this book. And um, I mean, if you think about it, you hold this Mm -hmm. book in your hand and you've got, it's like this massive support group or this massive group of friends all sharing with you that one Excellent advice. Like, what's better than that? You know, this, right. I mean, this is a really cool concept that you're getting 101 pieces of really excellent advice, and 10 of them are bound to really resonate with right. a particular right. reader. And right. I just can't imagine anybody will read this book and not find some fabulous advice that will change their own life. That's true. Very true. I love the book. What I like about it is the fact that y'all covered so many different topics we will cover later. But the beauty of it, you're right in terms of you have a reference book, like to the point. And especially in today's world, I've run into a lot of people now that, believe it or not, the younger generations are looking for words of wisdom. They want your take. You know, like, what would you do about that? And they're sincere and honest about it because they really want to learn because they feel like we adults have some sort of things that we have gone through in life that we can share a little light to help them. And that, to me, is very heartwarming because they really want to learn. And that's the difference. We all can learn something. That's the beauty of this book because, like you said, as you read, you've learned a few things. And as I read, I learned a few things. And it's amazing because situations will educate you about how to handle certain things because you're talking about people sharing their firsthand experience about situations. Yeah, so there's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s who grew up reading Chicken Soup for the Preteen Soul and Chicken <laughs> Soup for the Teenage Soul, but now they're adults. And they're ready mm-hmm. for something that's adult. And this right. is it. Right. I mean, this would be a great gift to give somebody in their 20s or 30s because they already know that they right. like chicken soup for the soul. They're already predisposed to getting advice and, and tips mm-hmm. for life from chicken soup for the soul. But a lot of them just think that we had, you know, the preteen soul book and the teenage soul book, and they don't realize that most of our collections are for mm-hmm. adults. And right. this would be great for somebody at that stage of life because there are so many stories in here where you can just say, I'm going to adopt that new way of thinking and I'm going to keep right. doing that for the next several decades because mm-hmm. that's what the advice in this book is. It's stuff that you can immediately adopt and then just keep doing. And most of it involves just tweaking something in your mind so you mm-hmm. can instantly adopt the advice. Right, right. So true. Well, good advice is like good recipes, everlasting, they're evergreen. All it is is to be fine-tuned to the current situation, generationally, that is, so to speak. And you're right, because this is like the preteen and teen chicken soup (laughs) 2.0. Exactly. But it's good for people of all ages. Like, I'm 65, mm -hmm. and I picked up good advice from this book. So Right. You know, it, anybody can pick up good advice from it. You've got 101 stories to choose 
choose from. There you go. There you go. Well, how about this? What was the best advice you have received in your life? There's one story in here that you and I are probably going to talk about later that Mm -hmm. really affected me recently. But I can tell you about a piece of advice I got when I was a college student. Mm-hmm. And it and it it has stayed with me ever since. And I actually wrote a story about it in the the Chicken Soup for the Soul book. You know, ten years ago was our twentieth mm-hmm. anniversary. And mm-hmm. We put out the Chicken Soup for the Soul twentieth anniversary edition, where we added twenty new stories. Mm-hmm. One of those stories was written by me, and that story was called "Just Do It." And it was when I was in college and I was avoiding all of my work. I was procrastinating. It was the end of the term. I wasn't studying for my exams. I wasn't writing my final papers. And a friend of my boyfriend who was pre-med and therefore was, you know, very busy with Mm -hmm. pre-med courses, I was complaining to him, but I wasn't getting anything done. And he looked at me and he said, just do it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh, yeah, I'm just complaining and complaining about how much I have to do. Why don't I just go and do one of those things? And then after I do that one thing, then I'll do the next thing. And then I'll do the next thing. I just have to get started and just do it. Now, it seems so obvious, Mm -hmm. but when you're Mm -hmm. kind of paralyzed because you have so much to do that it's overwhelming, Mm -hmm. you need Mm -hmm. something to push you. And, And then I decided take that advice just do it and I added in another little piece of advice from myself which I knew would work with my personality and that is Mm -hmm. do the easy thing first right then when that's done do the next thing that's the easiest of what's left to do when that's done do the next one that's the easiest of what's left to do because Mm -hmm. I find if I start with the hardest thing I remain Mm -hmm. paralyzed so Mm -hmm. I just start Mm -hmm. knocking them off each time I say, what's the easiest thing left on the list? And I do that. And mm-hmm. by the time I get to the end of the list, I realize that the thing I thought was so hard was really <laughs> just as easy as the stuff I already did. Right. So that's, that's, what, that's, an, that's something that changed my life. And the fact is that I couldn't be doing this job that I do where I wear three mm-hmm. hats. I wear <laughs> publisher hat. I wear the editor-in-chief hat. And I wear the author hat. Yeah. I'm wearing, so I'm basically doing three jobs. Right. And we're right. putting out, you know, almost a book a month. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it unless I kept doing what I was taught when I was a sophomore in college, which is just do it. Well, those are the kind of things, the beautiful advice that has a infinite ripple effect, so to speak through our lives and it gets refined over the years and you're right because it's just basically taking the initiative to get started and then go with the flow beautiful yeah now some people say you should always start with the hardest thing yeah and we i i know we have a chicken soup for the soul story about that where the person (laughs) said for them what worked was starting with the hardest thing on their huge list of things to do yeah. But that is the exact opposite of what works for me. So you have to know right. what works for you. Like Precisely. part of this is is basically like acting like you're your own boss. So you have mm-hmm. to boss yourself around <laughs> and you have to decide what works for you and then boss <laughs> yourself around accordingly. That's true. So true. Please tell us about 
the very engaging book cover. I love it. So when we put adults on a book, mm-hmm. the problem is that people are like, well, that's a woman, and what if a man wants to read it? Or <laughs> that that woman is black, but I'm white, or that mm-hmm. woman is old, but I'm young. I mean, people want, like, their exact duplicate person on the cover. Uh. And so we basically have gone with children and animals because then there's no kind of assuming that the person mm-hmm. on the cover is the only person who should be reading the book. And so mm-hmm. the interesting thing is when we did that book I mentioned from a few years ago, the best mm-hmm. advice I ever heard, we had a kid on the cover holding a cell phone up to his ear mm-hmm. and looking kind of surprised by what he was hearing on the cell phone. Mm-hmm. And that did so well. I said, you know what? We're just going to have another kid holding a cell phone <laughs> and looking surprised by what he's hearing. And so we picked out this, um, he's really a baby. I mean, he's he's a baby who walks, but yeah. you know, he's not even two years old, this kid. He's probably no more than 18 months old. And the funny thing is when I picked this picture mm-hmm. of this little boy, um, and I guess I probably picked out this picture like a year ago, mm-hmm. um, one of my let's see, my fourth grandchild had just been born, so I didn't know what he was going to look like. But my fourth grandson, my third grandson, fourth grandchild looks exactly like this kid on the cover with, oh. the, with the you know, with the really white hair sticking up in the air. So, so <laughs> the funny thing is now I have a picture on the cover that reminds me of one of my grandchildren. Ooh, <laughs> that's beautiful. He might come up to you and say, "Hey, Grandma, what's my royalty fee?" <laughs> I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's really beautiful. Well, please tell us about the chapters covered in the book. So this is fun. And, you know, making the chapters is always Mm. a really fun thing for me. I get to pick all the stories, which is fun. And then I get to shape, like, the story arc of the whole manuscript and do the chapters. So here are the chapters. um, And they're all basically, like, Commands, right? They're all basically like <laughs> sentences telling you what to do. So chapter one is be confident. And we have a lot of stories that will help you with self-confidence or even faking it till you make it. Even if you're not confident, mm-hmm. these stories will help you look like you're confident to the outside world until you actually <laughs> can be legitimately confident. Um, chapter two is called be grateful because that's a really big part of having a successful life is being grateful. Chapter three is called face your fears. And this is great advice about facing your fears, whether it's something really big, like zip lining or something really small, like, I don't know, trying a new app on your phone. Uh, Chapter four is called get on with life. And it's, it's it's a chapter that contains really good advice people who are mourning and grieving and um, finding it a little hard to move forward with their lives after some kind of terrible loss. Chapter five is called Choose Your Battles because you don't have to fight everything. You don't always have to have a win. Chapter six is called Live Life to the Fullest. And that's about, you know, getting the most out of every day milking it for all it's worth because you mm-hmm. only get one life and you might as well make sure that you're enjoying it. Chapter seven is called make the effort. 
Because, you know, sometimes it only takes an extra minute to do it right, you know, and and it makes all the Mm -hmm. difference. Chapter 8 is called Pursue Your Passion. It's a reminder to people, hey, that childhood dream you had, well, you can go and do that. Or you can quit the job you don't like and pursue your passion in a new job that's more fulfilling for you. Mm -hmm. Chapter 9 is called Put Things in Perspective. And that's all those little tweaks you can do in your mind that will really improve your life and, and, you know, improve your outlook. Chapter 10 is called Reach Out and Connect. And that's just the reminder we all need to, you know, pursue those relationships, keep those relationships active and healthy. And then the last chapter, Chapter 11, is called Take Care of Yourself because it's not selfish to engage in self-care. You're not really going to be any good to the rest of the world unless you take care of yourself each day. And so there's a lot of stories in there with some great advice about learning to say no, learning Mm -hmm. to say yes to the things you want to say yes to, but no to the things you don't want to do. Um, (laughs) Taking that all important me time for at least, you know, a few minutes every day. So that's it. It's just amazing chapters. Um, Every single one of those chapters thing we could all really benefit from. Right, right. So true. That's beautiful. How is this book going to help the readers? Well, I think anybody who reads this book will come away with 10 things they can do now to improve their Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the stories are so varied and yet so totally relatable. But I can't imagine somebody isn't going to come away with 10 great ideas. And just as these wise words that the people write about in the stories change things for them in an instant, so can these, these stories can change things in an instant for the people reading them. Uh, So it's a great example of what Chicken Soup for the Soul is all about. Because we always say that reading these stories is like you sat down for coffee with a friend and you're leaning towards each other, and your friend is saying, I have to tell you about this thing that I just learned, or this thing that happened, or this this epiphany that I had. And you're leaning in, and you're having coffee with your friend, and you're hearing this story. And that's what this book is. It's 101 mm-hmm. friends telling you something over coffee, something that could really help you. Beautifully put. No doubt about it. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitten Talk Radio, our podcast uh, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Futures Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Advice That Changed My Life, 101 Stories of Epiphanies and Wise Words. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories in the book. Like I say again, there's no one that's better than the other, but these are really beautiful stories. We're going to get started with Chapter 1. Chapter title is Be Confident, and I love this story. Sometimes it's just a can of beans by Jeanette Hutt. So Jeanette and her husband were agonizing over where to send their five-year-old son to school. 
And Jeanette was telling her friend Shannon that they didn't know what to do. They were worried they would pick the wrong school, although they had narrowed it down to two schools. So Shannon pointed out to Jeanette, hey, you guys are great parents, and that matters more than your choice of school. And you've already narrowed it down to two schools, which are both excellent. So how can you really go wrong? Mm-hmm. And then she told Jeanette about this time when she was grocery shopping, and she just got stuck looking at cans of beans and trying to decide (laughs) which can of beans to buy. And she spent 20 minutes staring at these cans of beans. And then it finally occurred to her as she stood in the grocery store aisle, they're just cans of beans. In the long run, it's not going to matter whether I picked brand A or brand B. They're just a can of beans. And so Shannon knew that the school choice was more important than a can of beans. But basically, she said to Jeanette, either of them is going to be fine. Either school is fine. You can't, you, whichever one you pick, you're making the right decision. And if you change your mind later, he's five years old. You can switch him to a different school. <laughs> and so that set Jeanette on a different path. And from yeah. then on, whenever she was in the middle of, agonizing over some decision, whether it was an activity for her son or some job decision or even picking out a tube of mascara at the beauty store, (laughs) she always asked herself, is this just a can of beans? And usually it is. And Mm -hmm. then she just makes the decision quickly and moves forward and doesn't waste any more time on it. That's beautiful. This story, it's funny. I'm not kidding you, okay? Over the weekend, I went to the grocery store. Believe it or not, I've always cooked my own stuff. And so this time around, they had Hormel chili and beans on sale, right? So I went to the store and trying to figure out, okay, let me get two cans of Hormel chili and beans. Well, guess what? I found out they have so many choices now. And there's one with chili with no beans, <laughs> And my goal is actually I wanted chili, right? So because I was being lazy, I didn't want to have to cook chili. <laughs> so I ended up getting chili with no beans. So anyway, I mean, it's really funny because, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and... Exactly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was just a can of no beans. <laughs> right. <laughs> so funny. So that's really wonderful. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter? There's one that I like, and it's kind mm-hmm. of like a – passive-aggressive thing because, you know, I've had a long, I had a long career on Wall Street. And if I thought Mm -hmm. a stock was going to go down, I would tell the investors, hey, you should get out of the stock. And then the management Mm -hmm. of those companies would be really mad at me for doing that. And so I made some enemies along the way, but always because I was trying to do good. Mm -hmm. I was trying Mm -hmm. to help investors get bad companies out of their stock portfolios So I really liked this story because it's called Allow Yourself an Enemy or Two by Maureen O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. And she talks about the fact that she was reading an article in Seventeen Magazine when she was in high school. And there was this one line of advice from the author that has stayed with Maureen ever since. And that was, you have to allow yourself an enemy or two. And then she realized she didn't have to spend huge amounts of time getting every single person to like her. 
because it just wasn't worth her time. And, and those people who she would have had to try to force to like her, they weren't really worth pursuing anyway. Like one of them was a real bully. So what was the point of trying <laughs> to ingratiate herself yeah. with the bully? And so she has lived the rest of her life with this piece of advice to not worry if once in a while she makes an enemy as she passes through life because it's not worth trying to fight your way to not have that happen. Sometimes if you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you're going to make an enemy by doing right. the right thing. So I thought that was a really good story. It was very pertinent to my own life. Right, right. I'm so glad you brought up a personal example, Amy, because that's true. Doing things right versus doing the right thing. And doing the right thing is because not only we are authentic, but we have integrity. That makes a difference. Sometimes doing the right thing will make you an enemy. But you know who you don't want to be an enemy? Yourself. That's right. There you go. You do the right thing, and then you won't be mad at yourself. Precisely. Well, chapter two, be grateful. Love this chapter, and the story that I like is, this is very interesting. The advice I didn't want to hear by Wendy Portfors. Yeah, so um, I was just on a Zoom last night, actually, that mm-hmm. Wendy was on. We had a big Zoom meeting of about a third of the contributors to the book showed up for the oh. Zoom meeting. It was really fun. Everybody introduced themselves to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wendy was on the Zoom, so I got to see her. But her story is about how she had lost her husband to brain cancer. It happened very quickly. So she really struggled to find her way after his death. She hadn't had time to prepare And she also lost both her parents during that same period of time. Um, And she was good about talking about it. Like, she talked about it all the time. And then one day, someone said to her, I don't know why you are so sad. You should be happy for what you had, not sad for what you lost. I will never have such a long and loving relationship. Now, I personally think the person who said that to her was not right to do that. That was kind of a nasty thing to say. Like, of course she should be sad that she lost her husband and her two parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that advice was delivered in kind of an insensitive way. Right, right. But the part that Wendy took from it, she took from that advice, not that she shouldn't be sad, because that's dumb. Of course she should have been sad. But the other part, you should be happy for what you had. And then Wendy thought, yeah, I should be focusing on that as well as my loss. I should be thinking mm-hmm. about all the good times and celebrating, you know, the 39 years I was married to my husband and how wonderful he was. Right. And so she had a turnaround that day from that advice. And now when she talks about how she lost her husband, she talks about all the positive things about him, how great their relationship was. And that, allowed her from that day forward to start making progress forward in her own life. Right, right. That's beautiful. That particular story triggered in me, and this is interesting, and I'm so glad that you shared the way you shared what you just said just now, is when I came to the United States, I was 19. A year later, my dad died. I had plans, obviously, like everybody else, right, because my dad loved Hollywood, and I was thinking about, like, wow, when I got out of college, I can bring him to the United States, see all the wonderful stories and all that kind of stuff. And one of the counselors told me, it was very interesting, where Johnny, those are what ifs, 
what if never happened. Focus on the things that you all have been together. And those are the beautiful moments. And that mindset just shifted. So rather than, it's okay to grieve, don't get me wrong. But all of a sudden right now, that sadness turns to happiness because enjoy the moment you have. Treasure those beautiful moments. And till today, like I say, up to this point, I'm bringing it up because it's a beautiful approach. The what ifs never happen. Right. So you focus on what you did have, not what you, not the things that possibly could have happened in the future that you never got to do. Precisely. It's the same attitude. Yes, yes, no doubt about it. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter? So there's a story um, by Gwen Cooper that I think is a really good lesson uh, for men and for women. So Mm -hmm. Gwen's fiancé called her from work. He worked at an automotive service shop. Uh, He was a mechanic. And he was really excited. He said that something had come into the shop and it would make a great gift for her and he was going to bring it home to her. And so he brought it home and he showed it to her. And it was some piece of equipment. And he explained that it was a jumper box. You charged the box and you would keep it in your car. And then if your battery died, you wouldn't need to jump your car from someone else's car. You would just jump Mm -hmm. your car from battery box Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. he was really enthusiastic about it and Gwen was kind of underwhelmed (laughs) and just then her mother called and Gwen told her about this gift that she didn't think was so exciting Mm -hmm. and her mother said to her he is excited because this is his way of taking care of you so that changed everything for Gwen she realized oh I shouldn't really look at this gift as a jumper box. I should look at this gift as a way that he is telling me that he loves me. And so she yes. got off the phone, went back in, and expressed her gratitude with a big smile, thanked her fiance, <laughs> made him feel great about his gesture. And, you know, that happens all the time. Somebody right. tries to do something for you or gives you a gift and, you really don't want the gift or you really don't want the thing they're trying to do. But they were doing it out of love for you. Right. So you have to just accept it graciously and look past the actual item to what the meaning of it is. Precisely. It's the intent that counts. (laughs) So true. Well, Chapter 3, Face Your Fears, You Can't Strike Out by Daryl And I love the fact that you are having more and more men contributing. (laughs) There's plenty of men who write for Chicken Soup for the Soul. In fact, Daryl was on the Zoom last night also, so I got to see him Uh in person. It's always nice to see the face behind the stories. Yeah. Um, And he's, he's written a bunch of stories for us. This one was fun because, uh, he, he talked about how he was always, kind of shy and didn't really know how to talk to girls. And then he um, was a young man and he saw this book called How to Pick Up Girls by uh, <laughs> an author named Eric Weber. And what Eric Weber said was, when you're trying something new and scary, pretend it's like the preseason in a sport. It doesn't really count. Well, that advice worked so well 
for <laughs> Daryl because, like, when his favorite baseball team was doing preseason, you know, down in Florida playing other teams, he didn't get upset if they lost a game because it didn't count. And so he realized, oh, if I ask a girl out on a date and she says no, well, that was just preseason. That's just me practicing. And so it, it turned him into a much bolder person. He realized that he could ask the girl out, and it didn't count if she said no because it was preseason. He could pursue something at work. It didn't work out. Well, it was preseason. He was trying something new. You know, it wasn't official yet. And so he started being way more daring in his life. And he became more successful in his sales job. He developed a sports writing freelance career on the side because he asked for it because he figured, mm-hmm. what do I have to lose? It's preseason. Um, and so it ended up being really life-changing for him, this way of thinking. Right. And it's true because you give your best and guess what? I have the attitude as well from professional connections and so forth. Hey, I know what I can offer, but if there's no connection, I mean, crudely speaking, it's your loss. It's not mine. I'm bold enough to say that. I mean, in a good way, that is what I'm trying to say is that They don't see it yet, but that's okay. I'll find someone that will be able to see the collaboration that will be a excellent win-win deal. That's why I love that story. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people just don't have the time to do whatever they've been asked to do, but that's okay because then somebody equally good will be asked and they'll do the thing. And so you, Mm -hmm. you, you end up, actually in better shape because now you have somebody who really has the time to do it. Precisely. Right. So true. Well, chapter four, this is another guy story too. This is really wonderful in a way. Get on with life. Choosing joy over grief by Marvin Yankee. Yeah. So Marvin, um, unfortunately lost his sister who he was very close to. Um, she was in a car accident when they were both in college and he was just devastated. He says he was in a real fog for the first semester following her death. And when he began his junior year, the next year, he still hadn't even declared his major. And then he took this class about death. And one day a guest speaker came to talk to them. And that speaker said something that changed everything for Marvin. The speaker said, Joy shared is joy increased. Grief shared is grief diminished. So sharing joy with others increases the joy. Mm -hmm. But when you share grief with others, it reduces your grief. And so he all of a sudden had a new way of dealing with his sister's death. And he began sharing the joy. He began writing down all of his joyful memories of his sister and sharing them with other people and then sharing his grief with other people because it felt less bad Mm -hmm. if he shared it with other people. And then he realized, remember, he he hadn't actually declared his major yet. He realized what he wanted to do with his life, the psychology course. He became a psychology major. And then he went and got a master's degree. And now 
he is a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty amazing that all of that stemmed from that piece of advice. I love that story, and that comes back again full circle for me, like with my dad and so forth. And the reason for that is that, like I say, you choose to celebrate the things that you've done. And then when you talk about sharing the grief, that's really beautiful because what happens that comes to mind was at that time, then as I talk to people, I share the fact that don't put off the things that you want to do, if that makes sense. Do it now because you never know you don't have two months from now, three months from now, whatever. So that became the beauty of it where the grief became a wonderful reinforcement. And so it helps. It became a positive statement for like a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can use the grief as fuel, basically, to continue your journey. Yes, yes. That's beautifully put, beautifully put. Do you have a favorite story in Chapter 5? Oh, I do, actually. Um, and it's from one of my absolute favorite people, our oh. our own senior editor, Barbara LaMonaco, who has been with Chicken Soup for the Soul for 25 years. Wow. <laughs> so, which is 10 years longer than I've been with Chicken Soup for the Soul. And she's taught me a lot. Um, and she raised three wonderful sons. So I think anybody who can raise three boys already <laughs> is admirable because that's hard. <laughs> but anyway, she, she shares some advice she learned in a parenting course. Because she went and took this parenting course when her three sons were in elementary school. And she says that the basic message that weaved its way through all eight sessions of this parenting course was pick your battles. And then another piece of advice that went along with that was remain flexible. So I've seen this with some parents where they just are like, no, we, we, we agreed we were going to do such and such. And they're not willing to change their plans or, you know, I never battled with my kids over how they wore their hair, or what clothing they wore to school, because I figured those are not battles that I need to fight. If my son wants to wear, you know, a Ninja Turtle shirt to school three days in a row, who cares? <laughs> and that's what Barbara said in her story. If her sons wanted to wear a superhero shirt three days in a row, well, who cares? That's not a battle worth fighting. You fight the battles that matter, you know, just so that your kids don't do drugs or drive drunk or, you know, fail out of a class, that kind of thing. So she really learned from that course that she should always pick her battles. And then the corollary to that was remain flexible. So if something was planned, but it's closed, you get there and it's closed, well, you find another fun thing to do and you have just as much fun doing the other thing. She said the interesting thing is that she ended up applying this pick your battles and remain flexible attitude to her whole life. So not just to parenting. And one of her friends accused her of being a wimp because Barbara (laughs) is so flexible. And she thought that Barbara should be more confrontational. And that's ridiculous because Barbara is just picking her battles. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if her friend wanted to go to lunch at one place and Barbara wanted to go to lunch at a different place, Barbara just went to the place that her friend wanted to go to because who cares? It doesn't matter. Going back to the other story, it's just a can of beans, right? Um, so anyway, the fact is that if it's something that really matters, yeah, Barbara will be a tiger. She'll be all over it. She won't back down. So 
Anyway, um, that was Barbara's story, and we put a quote from C. Joy Bell C. at the beginning of that story. Mm-hmm. And here's the quote, because I think it's very relevant. Life isn't measured by how many times you stood up to fight. It's not winning battles that makes you happy, but it's how many times you turned away and chose to look into a better direction. So mm-hmm. that was Barbara's story. I thought it was great advice. That's beautiful. That's really, really wonderful. Chapter six, live life to the fullest. And this is interesting. The Why Do It by John Pierce. Yeah. So you know what? I met John last night on the Zoom also. Isn't it funny? <laughs> <laughs> we keep coming across people who I met last night. Um, so anyway, uh, John um, was in high school. He was at boarding school, actually, and there was this kid in his dorm who was a year younger than he was, but this kid was known for his intelligence and his wit and also for being a guy who thought for himself, which, you know, is unusual among teenagers. He didn't care about conforming to what the other teens were doing. So one day, this guy, Jim, asked John to go skating. So they went skating on this small pond on the campus. And then after an hour of skating, they went to a coffee shop, and Jim asked John if he liked skating. And John said no. In fact, he hadn't skated for three years prior to that afternoon. So Jim said, well, then why do you do it? And John didn't have an answer. He'd never liked skating. It had just been forced upon (laughs) him as a child. And so all of a sudden, John got this new attitude towards life, which is, Why do it? If you don't like something, and it's optional whether you do it or not, why are you doing it? And when he was in his 30s, he was running a lot. He he took up jogging because he was getting out of a bad marriage, and the jogging helped him deal with all the stress and anger and all of that. And then he realized, wait, I don't like jogging either. And he switched (laughs) to swimming, and he loved swimming. And so he ended up deciding to apply this why do it test Mm -hmm. to reading a book. If he's reading a book and he doesn't like it, he stops. Um, People, if he doesn't like a person, he stops having that person in his life. If he doesn't like a job, he stops that job. He finds a different job. But he really has let this why do it um, rule his life, and it causes Mm -hmm. him to not make all those compromises that you don't really have to make. Right. So true. I like the story. It's sort of one of those things that you mentioned at the very beginning, because sometimes when we read stories, it brings up wonderful things that we ourselves as experience, right? And it's like, wow, different scenarios, but it's the same principle, for lack of a better term. So this day, I don't drink. That doesn't mean that it's socially if somebody gave me a glass of wine that I would not drink or anything like that. But I've never gotten to drinking. So anyway, it's just a beautiful story from that perspective. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the advice that changed my life. One-on-one stories of epiphanies and wise words. Amy, Chapter 7 
this is a wonderful chapter title, Make the Effort. And the story is Flying Solo by Daryl Elizabeth Hunt. So, Daryl, it's interesting. We have a lot of stories from widows in our books because Mm -hmm. they have a lot of wisdom to share because going through the process of losing their husbands and moving forward with their lives, they they actually do a lot of really hard things, and then they share them with our readers. Uh, So this is another really good lesson. Um, And in Daryl's case, it was the owner of the funeral parlor that she used who gave her this advice. And he said, if people invite you to do things or go places, please make an effort, even if it is just to make a brief appearance. If someone invites you to lunch and it seems too overpowering, suggest getting together for coffee instead, but just do it. And Daryl realized, okay, I really don't want to see anybody. I don't want to go out. I want to sit at home and mourn my husband. But the day her husband died, uh, a friend had mailed her an invitation for a 50th birthday party. And so she forced herself to go to the 50th birthday party. It was just at their home, and she got dressed up in bright colors. She didn't wear black. She put on makeup. She made an effort. And she said, I'll just go for an hour. And she went and she managed to stay for an hour and a half. And she kept doing it. She kept saying yes to things. And it really helped her a lot with moving forward. And it also kept her friends in her life because otherwise there's a risk that you just get forgotten. And now she passes on this advice to other new widows because it was so helpful to her in moving forward after her husband's death. It's a wonderful story. It's very empowering from that perspective. Chapter 8, Pursue Your Passion. This is another really interesting story. A Woman Walks Into a Pub by Barbara Espinosa Ochina. Yep. Another person I saw on Zoom last night. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I told you a lot of the writers of these stories were on the Zoom meeting last night. So um, Barbara was raised in this strict Cuban household where she was expected to to do what her parents told her to do. Mm -hmm. And that meant that she was a pre-med student in college because her parents said, you know, becoming a doctor, (laughs) that's a good practical career. But then she met another student who sized her up and said, you are not cut out for medicine. You should major in communications instead. So Barbara went to meet the head of the communications department And she loved all the subjects that she would be studying, journalism Mm -hmm. and human behavior, public speaking and media. It was everything she would need for a career in advertising and marketing. And she Mm -hmm. really hated her pre-med classes, organic chemistry, all that stuff. She had no interest in that. Of course, she shouldn't have become a doctor. So anyway, (laughs) she switched majors, and she actually found her husband in one of those classes, and And they have been business partners now for more than 40 years with an advertising and marketing agency. And so it was a great example of pursuing your passion because somebody opened your eyes to the fact that that was how you should actually conduct your life. It's beautiful. When I talk, I always tell people a career is a hobby that you do and you get paid for it. (laughs) Yes, if you're lucky enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not everybody is that lucky, 
But, yeah, but, yeah. But, and if, you know, if you're not lucky in that way and you do have to do a job that you don't like just to pay the bill, so you just do mm-hmm. that job for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. and then you go do the thing that you're passionate about outside of your job because there's still plenty more hours in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as you get that passion into your life somehow, you'll be okay. That's right. So true. So very true. Do you have a story you like in Chapter 9? I do. It's a story by Chelsea Ola Miller. So mm-hmm. here's the interesting thing about this story. I would say of all the stories in this book, mm-hmm. it's the one that I took to the most. And I've already adopted it in my life, and I think about it every single day. So what Chelsea tells us in this story is that she was a teacher, and she was at work one day, and she said to her coworker, Ugh, I wish it was Friday. And it was only Tuesday. <laughs> and then her coworker said to her, nothing like wishing your life away. Because it was Tuesday, And Chelsea was wishing it was Friday, which means that she was willing to give up her Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And her coworker said, why are you trying to rush through your life? You know, like Mm -hmm. nobody says, oh, everybody says I wish I had more time. Nobody says I wish I've never had any Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or, or Thursdays. So I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, when it's like Monday and the whole work week is ahead of me. Well, yeah. whatever it is I'm looking forward to, maybe I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, one of my kids and, and their family on the weekend, whatever it is, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to wish away the week that I'm going to go through to get to that weekend. And so it, it, it was an immediate tweak to my perspective, and I think it's a permanent one. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to wish away any <laughs> days of the week because we only right. get so much time. Like, mm-hmm. if you only had weekends, you would have wished away, you know, four-sevenths of your life. Right, right, right. So true. That's very, very true. Wise, wise advice. No doubt about it. Chapter 10, Reach Out and Connect, One Final Lesson by Laura Niebauer Palma. So Laura's story is a really good example of the unselfish sharing that our contributors do. Mm-hmm. Because they will share things that they regret, and they'll share them with our readers just the way they would share them with a friend and say, hey, mm-hmm. don't do what I did. So Laura, who could have just shared this advice with a friend or two, is going to end up sharing it with tens of thousands of readers. And the lesson that she learned was that when she was a young woman, She kept promising her grandmother, I'll call you, I'll come visit you. And then she always had other better things come up, and she didn't. Mm -hmm. She didn't call her grandmother. She didn't go to visit her. Then her grandmother died. And her grandmother had a calendar on which she wrote, like, who she had talked to that day or who had visited her. And so one of the entries was, Laura didn't call today. And another entry was, Laura isn't coming. It was the day when she was supposed to visit. And when they were cleaning out her grandmother's home, what did they find in the refrigerator? But raspberry, I think it was black raspberry with chocolate chips, some flavor like that, some, Mm -hmm. you know, really unusual flavor. 
which happened to be Laura's favorite flavor, and her grandmother had it in the freezer for Laura for when she came to visit her, that visit that didn't happen. So um, Laura realized that she would never do that again to anyone else Mm -hmm. in her life, and so now she's diligent about following through on whatever promises she makes for calls or for visits, you know, whether it's family, friends, or work colleagues. So I thought that was a great lesson to convey, Mm -hmm. and I'm very grateful to Laura for having shared that. Me too. It's one of those things where it reminds you live in the present moment. It's never in the future. The future may not be here. And if you say you're going to do it, just do it. Yeah. So that's a beautiful story from that perspective. Chapter 11, take care of yourself through his eyes. This is another wonderful story. B.J. Taylor. So uh, B.J. asked her dad to um, write a letter to her. And the letter was supposed to be um, a letter that would inspire her and motivate her and contain some great advice for her. She was um, doing Al-Anon because her husband was doing Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. So her dad's letter was a real eye-opener for her because in his letter, he pointed out that she was always doing for other people instead of taking care of herself. And he pointed out to her that self-care was not selfish. It was actually something that she really needed to engage in. And so those wise words from her father reoriented her and she started engaging in self-care that, and, and she stopped neglecting herself. So like she would sit down and read a book after dinner one night during the week for half an hour, just half an hour, but it felt good and it was just time for her. So that was what her story was about. It's a beautiful me time where you need something to trigger like, okay, I matter. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Is there a story in this chapter that you'd like to share as well to close out? Oh, sure. There's um, a story by Risa Nye, and it's Mm -hmm. called um, Not Chopped Liver. So, (laughs) So this story is about how she was a kid and her parents dragged her to this bar mitzvah for some kids she didn't even know. And she sat there after the ceremony, avoiding her parents. And she didn't want to talk to this old lady who sat down next to her because she figured, <laughs> well, that would be a boring conversation. But the lady started asking her questions. And before she knew it, Risa was confessing to this old lady that her boyfriend was unreliable and really poorly behaved. And then she told the old lady that there was this other guy who was just a friend, but he was a good listener. He had good manners. He was always there for her. He took her to the movies and didn't mind when she cried. But still, then she went back to talking about her boyfriend. (laughs) He could be so romantic and charming at times, but then he was a jerk at other times. And that's when the old lady leaned in and said to her, you should never take a back seat to anyone. You don't let people treat you that way. Not a boy, not anyone. And she told Lisa, go with that nice boy, the one you think is just a friend. That's the boy for you. And Lisa has been married to that boy for 50 years now. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's a beautiful story. And it's a wonderful wrap-up for the book from that perspective. That's really terrific. Y'all need to go get this book. I tell you, it's a beautiful reference that you can carry and enjoy anywhere you go. That's the beauty of this chicken soup book. <laughs> what does chicken soup have in store for us in the coming months? Well, we have a very nice list of books coming out. We have a humor mm-hmm. book coming out in April called mm-hmm. Well, That Was Funny. We have a book about love, a good summer read, coming out at the end of May called All You Need Is Love. And then this summer, Chicken Soup for the Soul is celebrating its 30th anniversary, so we are coming out with the original Chicken Soup for the Soul book, but with 30 new stories versus the original book. And so we're calling that the Chicken Soup for the Soul 30th anniversary edition. So that's what's coming up for the rest of the spring. Awesome. That's really wonderful. What wonderful recipe would you like to share with our listeners today? Well, I always revert to the two things that I believe are the most important for happiness. And it's from reading all these tens of thousands of Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. Mm -hmm. I have developed this um, belief that um, the first thing is is to use the power of gratitude You know, always be mindful of the blessings in your life. Maybe even write down three of them every night before you go to bed. And then the second thing is to use the power of forgiveness and don't carry around all those resentments. Try to figure out why that other person did what they did. Realize you shouldn't take it personally. And that way you can just move forward and not get stuck in resentment and disappointment and hurt. That's beautiful. That's really wonderful advice. Amy, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, February 29th at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Tracy Sacombi. Tracy is the founder of Soul Pleaser, director of Potential Realize, and author of From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser. She grew up with a selfless, caring mother and an entrepreneur father who taught her to put everyone first and work hard. She's grateful for these lessons as they serve her well until she became constantly anxious and burnt out from being a people pleaser. Tracy lives in Adelaide, Australia with her family. Tracy and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how women can shift from being people pleaser to soul pleasers and live their best lives. As we wrap up, Women's History Month, and the celebration of International Women's Day this past March 8th. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure, and have a very blessed, wonderful day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye.